0: Hey, One Love community. I'm not sure you're aware, but there's a serious movement taking place within the art industry. My name is Candido, and along with my co-host James, we've put together a virtual series called the One Love Art Sessions. Our goal is to bring talent and community together for creativity, heart-to-heart discussions, and chill vibes. This episode requires some learning, so we broke it up into two sessions. For the first, Hernan Ortiz, collector and enthusiast, schooled us on the crypto art NFT boom. And for the second session, artist Carlos Marcel joins the three of us to explore the inner workings of this revolutionary industry. Let's jump in. You obviously, you, you know I have a, a working relationship with Jose. So uh, Jose had mentioned, I saw you post something, and and I was like, oh, you know, w- what's what's this? And he's just like, yeah, p- there's a digital art market. Um, he called it non fungables and I was like, he we had just been talking about mushrooms earlier, and I was like, "Don't fuck with me, man. This is <laughs> like uh, don't don't be trying to overlap some shit that I don't know about." And uh, and he said, "No, nah, no, nah, it's really like a, it's a, it's a thing." And so I'm not connected in any way to cryptocurrency, so I'm not I'm not following any trends or anything. But I saw that overlap, and that's where I was like, "Yo, Jay, there is like something happening that we should be aware of uh, for the sake of of supporting artists that are exploring this venue." Um, and, and just knowing because it's happening and, and it seems like it's happening like in a hurry. So,
1: you know, being a part of the Twitter space, I've really learned a lot. Um, I went from learning about the various cryptocurrencies and digital currencies to learning about what's called a non-fungible token. And basically a non-fungible token is a token that can be distinguished from another token, Um, So that, you know, a person in this case, an artist can create a token and say, well, this one token exists, I can transfer it between, you know, the artist and someone else, potentially a buyer, future owner, and that will be the only token that exists. So there's a level of authenticity that comes with that. Um, And so the technology is based around that, of course, it being kept track of on the blockchain. And there have been a few different platforms that have begun to kind of take this and run with it. Um, one of the main platforms and how I came about and truly discovered uh, non-fungible tokens, also known as NFTs, is through the Nifty Gateway platform. Now, of course, you know they had already been um, NFTs that were created and okay. digital art that was created through NFTs. But through Nifty Gateway, they sort of facilitated it for everyone to be able to join this ecosystem without having any knowledge of blockchain blockchain technology mm-hmm. or even needing to own any type of cryptocurrency or digital currency. And so that was what I'm
0: interesting we're
2: about Nifty Gateway. Interesting. So that, yeah that's the aspect of it that I'm trying to grasp. So just as a background, so I work in blockchain. I understand blockchain, nodes, NFTs, all of that. Um, I've never gotten deep into the cryptocurrency portion of it, but I have paid attention to it. The art aspect of it, when Dido brought it up to me, I didn't even know there was a space for that. Um, I get the, you know, I, I share a piece of art with you because, you know, how my job works, it's kind of very similar in the sense of, we deal with documentation. So I have a document. I share it with you, Um, and we're in like global shipping. And you know, we can verify that that document is legit. We can verify the transaction between you and I. You know, if you go and present that to someone else, they can verify that you are the owner of that document at that at that point. Um, What I'm trying to grasp is the so so in the art scope of it, like you know, where's where's the benefit for the for the buyer, for the for the user, in all of this,
1: yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, and you actually touched upon a few of those benefits. You know, the fact that you can verify the document uh, on the blockchain is the same exact way that you can verify the digital piece of art that exists through the NFT token. So that's one benefit, right? Very uh, verification. Um, another benefit is the fact that you can create digital scar- scarcity through the token so whenever oh. you mint the token you can say okay well you know what i only want this piece of art that i created to be a one of one
2: Got i only you. want this okay. piece
1: of art to be a one of 10 let's say and so it'll create that number of copies and that way create a certain level of authenticity that mm. the artist intends for there to be with that specific artwork Got and nice. so so that's another way that it benefits the artist and also, you know, at the end of the day, the person who's buying and or investing in in that art piece. Okay. All right.
0: So if we were to put this into into terms that uh, you know, maybe a standard fine artist is working, um, we have the original piece and we have prints of that piece and everything comes with a, cent- a certificate of authenticity, this bingo. is pretty much right in line. Bingo, bingo. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah, so by, about digital art, I have the actual original piece. It's a similar. I own the Mona Lisa. Someone could take that digital art and make a copy of it, which is essentially like I have a Mona Lisa that I bought at the gift shop when I visited. It's, you know, it looks like it. It's very similar, but it's not right. the original. I can't go and sell this because someone's going to laugh at me.
1: Right. And so that's really right now in the, you know, crypto, crypto, Twitter, NFT <clears throat> space. There's a huge argument, a huge debate as to, you know, why is it important? Why are NFTs important? Why is digital art important? Digital art is not important because anyone can just screenshot the image. Anyone can, you know, copy and save the video and send it. But the, the difference is and what is important now is that through NFTs, you can actually create a level of scarcity and also you can provide for the artist's intent, right? So in that in that case, you know, art is important, not because it can be recreated, not because you can create digital prints, and now you can even have computers and machines sort of recreate yeah. of art pretty pretty well. You know, if not 98, 99% accurate, maybe even 100, who knows, with right. AI. Um, but it's the artist's intent behind the art piece itself that gives the art piece value and only one person can be determinant of that and that's the artist him or herself okay and so that is what allows in my opinion NFTs to be extremely important
0: you mentioned nifty gateway um i happen to come across super rare
1: so look, I don't work for Nifty Gateway. I don't work for SuperRare. I actually don't work for any of those platforms. I'm just super involved in this space as someone who likes to be up to date as to what's going on on a technological front. You know, I always right. think that um, being up to date is important. Being on the fringe and on the, on the cusp of innovation and technology is extremely important, You know, not just from a, uh, a, a youth standpoint, but also from an investment standpoint, you sure. know, whoever is in early for the most part is a person who tends to make the wins and also sometimes, right, take the losses as well. Right. Um, so I, I'm just a big advocate for what's going on because I see many benefits, you know, NFTs allow for art. First of all, NF, NFTs cut out the middleman. I think that one of the complications of art is the fact that the artist has to find a gallery to go to through in order for her art to be exhibited. And that's complex in and of itself. And you know it deals a lot with connections and relationships. Now you can go on platforms like SuperRare or Rarible and say, you know what, I created this. I want to go ahead and put it on there. Boom, it's on. People can find it, people can see it, Uh, word of mouth, you know, and your art can be discovered in that way. And of course, like anything else, the internet is the one who says, you know, what is good and what is not good um through you know what spreads and what doesn't spread another thing that i think nfts do that doesn't happen through physical art is that it allows for the artist to be able to obtain royalties uh from his or her his or her art um, oh, that, that's that's cool. something that doesn't really happen and granted i don't know a lot about the physical art world but from the knowledge that i've acquired in You know the short span of the last, I want to say, five or six months since I've really delved into the NFT space and digital art. um, There is a pretty big issue with royalties and artists obtaining and receiving royalties. I think that once you sell the art, I think that's it, right, for the artist.
2: Yeah, you don't. Um, Yeah.
1: So with NFTs, you know, it's basically a smart contract that you can program to receive, you know, let's say ten percent from each secondary tertiary sale mm-hmm. goes back to the artist. And that's really cool, right? Because then the artist is con- receiving continuous residual income from sales that in my opinion, should probably go to the artist because that is the artist's work and that's great. So it eliminates the, the idea of royalties and maybe in the future, it can even also eliminate you know, licensing issues. Um, so that's, that's another benefit. Yeah. It ends Uh up
0: working like music. So like it's just the art is just working on its own and you can, you can sit back at that point and just, and just let it work. Now, I want to interrupt you here because, and Jay, this is something I didn't get a chance to talk to you about, but I saw, and I can't remember, I saved it. I just don't have the artist's name at the moment, but this brother is, is working, which I thought is just genius too. So he's working on the digital version of his art and, and the tangible version of his art. So he is, he sold, he sold this NFT, but he's also, um, the uh, I think one of the sales he made, the person receives the NFT and receives the tangible art. So then at yeah. that point, that that buyer has the opportunity to decide what's going. You know, they're receiving this artwork and to and can distribute or sell however they want.
1: So right. So that's actually a, a, a few different artists are doing that. Okay. Um, and that's one really cool way to incentivize a user, a buyer, an investor to buy that piece, right? Okay or get a bunch of people to sort of auction yeah. and bid for it and increase the, uh, the bid price and the actual uh, worth of the art itself. Right. So um, I think, I'm, I'm not sure if it was Matt Sure or Micah Johnson, I think it was Matt Scher. Um maybe Tommy Wilson. They're professional baseball players. And one yeah, that's of, it. One of, so one of them auctioned off a Nifty, an NFT, a non-fungible token, And with it, also decided to go ahead and give a pair of his cleats to the person who won the NFT. And so that's really cool. Where where else do you get, you know, that much value given to you? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the, the other cool part of it is that, okay, now I have the NFT. I possess the NFT. You know what I can do with that? I can go ahead and transfer it to you, have you show it off, display it, you know, show that you temporarily own it. And then, you know, if you're having a party, let's say, and then you can go ahead and transfer it back to me, yeah. you know, and there's no damaging of the art piece in the process because it's digital.
0: Right. Hmm. This, uh, 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 oh, uh, go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you're I'm probably, thinking, you go. I'm thinking, I'm thinking.
2: And I don't know if you have this question later, but my my question around the whole thing is, is value. Yeah. Right. So value, value at first sale, and a value from buyer cuz that you know we're, when we're talking about digital versus real world right you know as a art collector um it's two prong right you want to you want to own the art from the artist but you also want to buy art that's going to uh gain
3: appreciate value it.
2: right yeah appreciate thank it. you yep. lack of a better word like two hours of sleep uh <laughs> you want something that's going to appreciate so, so from a from a physical world obviously that occurs through all these uh different you know entities that exist that'll actually appraise the art whether you're going to an auction house or uh you know Lloyd's London or you know whatever these places are that say okay this is the current value of this art based on these professionals and these experts that are saying it so what is the equivalent of that in the in the digital world
1: so Let's see if if I can answer that question um, by saying a few things, right? So so art is subjective, and and art's value is what people give it, right? What people say it's worth, what people are willing to pay for it. Um, And so that's sort of kind of how it works now. However, in addition to that, I'd have to say that there are already established artists in the physical space that are now creating art in the digital space, oh. and so the value then transfers because of who that artist is and what that artist has done.
0: Right. right?
1: So, so I, I guess if that answers a question, that's one way. Um, another way is the person, I guess, kind of like a like a stock, right? Person is creating art, people are liking their art. They continue to buy their art, that art continues to resell and resell and resell, and maybe bidding wars break out. And so that's sort of how value is accrued through the space. So, you know, I think that another thing that's cool is that all of this is being defined and teased right now as we speak. I think that the legacy system and how the legacy art system uh, works, worked slash worked, is one, outdated, and two being sort of revolutionized. And and I think that that has a lot of importance and significance to it because a lot of people would have called that system broken.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so essentially, if I understand this correctly, it's it, it's basically, you know, as a, as a buyer, I can buy a piece of art for $600, right? Digital art. And then three years from now, that artist has blown up and I say, okay, I want to sell this. I think it's worth three grand. And whether or not it's worth three grand is really based on whether someone wants to pay three grand for it, right? I mean, at the end of the day? Correct, I mean, to some degree, yes.
1: And also remember that, you know, if Pablo Picasso were to create an NFT right now, what do you think that would be worth, right? Okay. Pablo Picasso no. has already established himself in the, in the physical space. You know, we'll take someone like Wisby, Uh, he is, or she is, you know, I'm not like, again, like I said, I'm not too familiar with the actual arts. Wisby is someone who is fairly popular. His or her art is, you know, in, I don't think it's in museums, but I think that it's been auctioned off at Christie's and, you know, uh, Mike Novogratz was interviewed a few days ago at CNBC and he had a physical Wisby right behind him on his bookshelf in his office space. Um, Art that's hard to come by, that's expensive. Well, Wisby just created a huge set, a huge drop of NFTs. And I, I think they sold for about $400. Well, the resale value on that has been anywhere between 600 to 900 to 1200 So really, you know, if you get on the platforms, you'll see that some of this art is reselling for a lot more than what it originally was priced at. Remember, we are now entering a space, the NFT space, that is nascent. It is just sort of coming to light, discovering itself and and growing at an exponential rate, as Candido said, uh, you know, things are moving very, very fast. So yeah. you know, value is determined by by what's going on you know, and by the artist, him or herself. So, you know, the great thing that I love about Nifty Gateway is the fact that they are basically like a gallery. They curate the art that they put onto their platform, and Mm -hmm. so every week they have drops, and they have about two to three artists, sometimes four per drop, and their nifties, their art is amazing and spectacular, and you buy what you want, you know, and and that's it, you know, And, and they make it so that the art pieces are rare. So they do sell out very, very fast. Like, you know, I would say that uh, for most pieces, you probably cannot get it because in the matter of seconds, they're sold out. Mm -hmm. And that's how popular they are. And that's how much people want them.
2: So the tech part of it. So I buy a piece of art. Where does that live? Is that on a node, on a nifty server? Um, Like, how does that work? Because I know, you know, my job, where the documents go back and forth. There's a retention period. Obviously these people aren't buying the documents forever, right? So we tell them the documents are gonna be on our server available for, you know, three months. After that, they're gone. We do a cleanup. But for art, obviously you buy something, you want ah, so it forever. So where's that where does that live? Right.
1: So the so the non fungible token, the NFT, lives on the blockchain and the blockchain um, in this mm-hmm. case, we'll use the Ethereum blockchain, which is what most NFTs are being created on. Um, it okay, lives on it. Okay. And so different platforms have okay. different ways of doing it. So Nifty Gateway, for example, I think that they have their own like internal system where their Nifties are in their system. But if you'd like to take it out, you can. And so they really, what they do is that they, they extricate a bunch of the complications that a user would have to deal with if they're on, for example, SuperRare. I'm not on SuperRare because it's a little more complicated. And I also just haven't taken the time to figure out how to be on there and, you know, figure out the steps. You know, as soon as I saw that Gemini had sort of acquired Nifty Gateway, at that point, I said, you know what? Okay, this is safe to enter. I highly trust Gemini and what they're doing. And so, okay, cool. Let's see what this is all about and what they have. And, you know, the way that I see it as, this is my tuition. This is my tuition to learn about the space and what's going on. If I lose, I lose a small portion, no big deal. If if I win, that's just a, an added bonus. Sure.
0: So how,
2: how do you see winning and, wait, winning, you mean winning and bidding or winning in terms of breakdown winning and losing for me in your mind? So...
1: Now winning, of course, is bidding and actually clicking fast enough yeah, to, get yeah, the, yeah, to, get yeah, to get the together, right? Yeah. But uh, in this case I meant winning as in, you know, as in an investor.
2: Okay.
1: Paying, you know, for a certain piece and hoping that it goes up in value. And you know, eventually with time, time will carry all of this forward and upward and will over time increase its value. So, you know, I'm very confident in the NFT space. I'm very confident in digital art and you know as we all know everything is moving towards a digital nature it's just a matter of time before the you know people who rule the legacy art system either come on board or are pulled on board because there's just so much more that you can do with digital art you know if you look at the background it moves you can change it uh you know it has sound to it it's it's awesome
0: whoa okay Did you get that? We sure needed it. Now let's have Carlos Maschel join the team to get into the nitty gritty or nifty gritty. Anyways, let's go. Hello, everyone.
2: And welcome to episode 12 of the One Love Art Sessions, a bi-weekly-ish art-focused podcast with the aims to educate, communicate, and connect. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out past episodes and make sure you go ahead and like and subscribe, because the bills, they don't pay themselves. My name is James LJ, artist, designer, Halloween fanatic. Uh, I've been an artist and a designer in New York City area for the past about 15 years. Uh, so I will serve as your co-host for this and every One Love Art session, along with the man, the myth, the legend, my co-host, Crespo. Crespo, say hello to everyone.
0: So I'm not not quite any of those things yet, but, uh, but I guess I'm, I'm okay with being the man part. Uh, what's up, One Love <laughs> community? Uh, I'm Crespo, family man, artist, and educator, and the other half of love. Thanks for joining us. So we got a dozen of these things in the bag now. However, this is if this is your first time here with us, Jay and I put together a virtual series called the One Love Art Sessions with the goal to bring talent and community together for creativity, heart-to-heart discussions, and chill vibes. I was going to say something about Halloween, but uh, I, for me, I'm muddling through Halloween just so I could get into the Christmas vibes, but that's just me. All right. Today we're joined uh, by what can only be called a revolutionary panel of guests. As observers, we here at One Love have been watching the crypto market, crypto art market, boom via social media. Our guests include uh, Carlos Marcial Torres, an enthusiast and collector Hernan Ortiz. Among the artists blazing a crypto trail is Carlos. Uh, Some people usually come on talking about how they got into art when when they were five years old and have been creating since. But Carlos, you practically were born into the arts. Your father was a professor and artist, mother was an art historian and professor as well. Why don't you help us uh, introduce yourself to our
3: audience? Right, absolutely. Um, Thank you both James and Crespo for having me here. Uh, I'm gonna try to like. Pro- I'll, I'll probably speak in Spanglish and I was given the like the green light to do that. Uh, yeah. So gracias yes. uh, to yeah. all the listeners. Also, um, also happy for your like be on your 12th episode. I mean, let me congratulate <laughs> you guys on that. Thanks. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, like you said, I, I I was I was born in in into art. Um, my dad is a uh, he's a painter. Uh, he's an art professor in in Puerto Rico. En la Escuela Nacional de Artes, which is located in El San Juan for all of you that know a little bit about you know Puerto Rican, um geography uh, it's in in old San Juan and um, my mom um, has been a teacher at the University of Puerto Rico also for many years now um especially um, like her her area of expertise has been um, the art market in Puerto okay. Rico. Uh, after, like, in the transition between Spain and the United States coming in. Got it. All right. So, so, so I, I think, I mean, I was privileged enough to be exposed to art from a very very early, the um, muy pequeño. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was just natural for me, you know, to also want to be a, an artist, even though my dad, like, when I told him that I wanted to become an artist, he told me, no, 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 <laughs> be a lawyer. <laughs> told be that. a lawyer. You know I mean, because it's the same thing the other way around. Like, you have a yeah. lawyer dad, and you go to your lawyer dad, and you tell him you want to become an artist uh, uh, or a, law- like, a lawyer. Like, you know, like, yeah. they don't want you, like, necessarily to go through the same things
0: sure.
3: that they went through. And they're like, oh, are you sure you want to be a lawyer? Why don't you I, – I, that kind of thing. So when I told my dad that I, wanna, I wanted to become an artist, he told me no, no, no! Don't do it! Don't do it! It's, it's <laughs> um, but I'm happy I did it anyways. You know, okay. uh, I think I, it was my inexorable fate uh, or, or destiny, or fate, to to become an artist. Uh, in in when I, when I was like in my teenage years, so I had the influence from like my mom was like reading and writing all the time, and my dad was obviously painting. So I got in I. I fell in love very early on with with films and cinema. Okay. So for a lot of years, um, that's that's what I wanted to do, and I and I had my chance to like to I, I've made a couple of short films, uh, and I'll just make the quick connection. That's that's when I discovered kind of like digital art, and you know different kind of software to edit films and to create like special effects. Mm. So I got into creating digital art through film. Okay. uh because i felt film was you know like this perfect combination between the two things that i was constantly being ex i had been exposed to like art from my dad's side and like storytelling from my mother's side
0: amazing mm-hmm. all right interesting we're going to be able to dig more into your career uh as we move along but i want to take a moment and have Hernan introduce himself to the audience as well and 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 why this relationship or this particular uh idea has come to fruition
1: perfect man well listen uh thank you for having me on the show first and foremost congratulations to you guys to uh for all the success that you guys have had that's awesome and that in and of itself is inspiring to me so you know i really appreciate being a part of that um that being said i don't even know exactly you know where to start but um I guess you know i I did school went to school um graduated eventually i i too am a teacher or was a teacher i guess for a long part portion of my career um i taught for about 10 years in the uh private school system and i taught spanish both languages and uh literature and so um You know it gave me definitely an appreciation for students and for learning and how the brain works and how one learns and how you have to really sort of craft a lesson that can reach everyone but also understand that you're not always going to reach everyone with the methodology or the idea that you think you're going to be able to reach everyone so you have to be flexible in that sense um you know i eventually ended up leaving teaching began law school and uh <laughs> I guess as as Carlos's parents told him, uh, you know decided to to follow the legal career and I recently graduated from law school uh, I'm currently working as a uh, paralegal at a law firm waiting to sit for the bar and and in the meantime, just um just appreciate you know art and what's going on in the scene. Art is always something that I've loved. Um, I feel like I have an artistic sort of inclination but i've never been as able to or as dexterous to be able to draw well um and so that's sort of been something that i've always wished i could do better but um but yeah i jumped into the uh the nft world and the crypto world and that's been just a phenomenal experience for me
2: and i and i think uh, I think this is an episode 12 is a, we, we're breaking new ground here. I think you're our first uh, self-proclaimed non-artist right. <laughs> because usually you have people on here. They're like, yeah, I've, I've been drawing since I was in my mom's womb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know? um, which is, I mean, a, a topic like this allows us to go down this route, which I think is super interesting. Uh, yes. And I think art, there's so many different, uh, type of people that are involved in the art world. And uh, we tend to just think about the artists, but it's a whole ecosphere of different people that make the world
0: uh, go around, I guess.
2: Is that a cliche term.
0: That's all right. It's fitting. It's very fitting. Right okay. Here. Okay. So this is going to be as much a learning experience for us as it is going to be a sharing experience, right? So um, both of you have a lot to give to us. As far as um, as far as what this what this crypto art market is, and so uh, we want to provide this same this same educational experience for the audience. So, let's go here. We have a pretty good idea about tangible work, tangible works, prints, paintings, sculptures, etc., even digital creations. Uh, but there's something different about the creation of crypto art. What is it, Carlos?
3: Um, well, I mean, in technical terms, it is the fact that it's, um, in, in the art world, you've, um, when, when you start selling your art, your paintings, like you were saying, like the sculptures, everything like that, on like an action ha- house like Christie's or Sotheby's in New York, and what, what, what you're paying when, when you're buying all those artworks, it's also something called provenance right? You're, you're buying a, a piece of, of, you're buying a canvas with some painting on it, but you're also buying Picasso's signature, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and you have a whole thing that it's um, telling you and telling the whole world that it's a real Picasso, right? And they have the certificate that goes all the way back. And it might even have kind of like a, 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 a chain of all the owners, of all the previous owners of that Picasso or of that Frida Kahlo, whoever the artist might be. Right. So, uh, with crypto art, you have that same provenance. You have the you have that same uh, certificate of authenticity on the blockchain, which is the same technology that makes uh, cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. like Bitcoin or Ethereum valuable, uh, because nobody else can it's 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 both bitcoin bitcoin and ethereum uh or like any any blockchain for that matter they're they they're uh uncorruptible the records. Huh? They're,
2: they're records
1: they're ledgers they're
3: records they're, they're they're digital ledgers that's what they they really are they're they, they are digital ledgers so digital records so so when you make a piece of crypto art you're attaching uh, a digital image on a, or a digital uh, animation to that digital certificate that will live forever on the same blockchain that secures that Bitcoin is valuable.
1: Right, so that, that's a technological breakthrough that is involved in the NFT art space. And, and it's exactly what Carlos just said. It's the fact that an artist can create a digital piece of artwork And with it attached to it, the provenance, you know, have the authenticity be recorded on this ledger that's not private. It's actually public. So therefore, you can trace where the piece has been from artists who created it to each individual and different owner. And with it, you know, you can also see, uh, you know, the sale price and, you know, a bunch of different things that you can also attach to it. Um, and, and so that's really the technological breakthrough that's involved with NFT art, not to mention the fact that you can also do a lot more with it, which I'm sure we'll probably discuss a little
2: later on. Sure.
3: I, I like to think like it's the art market 2.0, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of the things that happen on the tra- on the traditional art market are uh, closed doors. No, a puerta yes. cerrada. Mm-hmm. You don't see it. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know It's like this very exclusive club Right? That's why there's so, me- so much criticism um, around like, the traditional art market because it feels like a very special club that you need to be like, really well-connected to, yeah. to make it in there. And, and the interesting thing about crypto art is that it's, it's open. It's open source. It's public. It's all public ledgers. Uh, you can go right now into any of the places where I sell my art mm-hmm. and you can see who, who were all the previous owners. Who, who bought what for what price? it's all open and it's all public so 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 that's that's really revolutionary at least that's what i think can i add to that
1: yeah i think to me i'm going to go a little bit beyond what carlos said you know he described it as interesting i'm i'm going to describe it as uh amazing and fascinating and that's one of the things that really immediately grabbed me and attracted me to the space the fact that all of a sudden now this is open to everyone. You know, previously, the art world had this uh, this mystique to it, right? Because the common person, the little people like me, couldn't reach it. Why? Because you have to go into an, an art gallery and you couldn't really know much about the artist unless you were in that world and did the research. But then there are like thousands of galleries and you have to dress up nice. And, you know, <laughs> it, it, there's a certain uh, just like standard of, being and living that coexisted with that that sort of prevented other I guess common people or just normal people from entering that space or feeling comfortable entering that space and that to me was really what was so attractive for uh to the nft space the fact that it was open you can go you can see you can feel you can ask And all of a sudden now you could learn. And so you could take matters into your own hands and understand what's going on, see the movements, think there's there's a demystification that is involved that if you take matters into your own hands, you can actually learn about this stuff. And so now all of a sudden this world that was closed off to people, uh, not just who didn't sort of fit that kind of mold or standard, but also who didn't have that kind of access to catch is now all of a sudden open. Right. So now someone like me who doesn't have, you know, the millions and millions of dollars to buy something from Christie's or some other lesser known gallery, but still expensive, can actually buy other people's artwork. And that's phenomenal and amazing. I mean, it's, you know, affordable and anyone can do it. Anyone can be an artist and anyone can buy that art. And that's 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 amazing. That's what everything that's what it should be like. Art is for the people.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a that's a good point and i, I mean that's actually a good segue um and the one thing that I, I definitely have to say is uh you know when when dido brought up this topic to me uh you know as an artist who also works in the blockchain world i never actually put the two together which is funny like believe it or not so when dido brought this topic together i was i was like that makes no sense that isn't i don't get it um, and I was very, I admit I was very skeptical in the beginning and then as we started to dig in more like I just had more and more questions and <laughs> I, I think at this point I have like a billion questions about it because it's such a fascinating, like the more I dig into it the more I'm like this makes total sense. Like, this, it, it went It went from like that doesn't make sense to me to like you why didn't yeah this is this is the world now yeah. Um, so with that said right so you know, we have this idea, you know, it's obviously taking two worlds and mashing them together. You have the art world where there's a certain way that things are done and there's checks and balances. And then you have this uh, Bitcoin, blockchain, Ethereum type of world where there's checks and balances and there's uh, ways things are done. So now you're mashing them together, right? And one of the things that we're, we're definitely curious about and I think a lot of people would be curious about is is pricing, right? So how do you handle pricing? So how do you price something and then – um, Hernan, as a, as a collector and I guess slash investor, um, you know, how do you look at that point of it? So I'm buying art and I'm looking for it to, to gain in value, right? But how does that work? Because there is no Christie's. There is no person there that's really saying, oh, you know, this Picasso is worth 45 you know, million dollars now. So how does pricing work? How, does, you know, how do you set your price? How does bidding work? You know, there's bidding, There's a bidding part of it, right? So, right. So, take
1: that. yeah, yeah, those are great questions. I mean, everything is sort of developing and happening uh, in the moment right now as we speak. So there, there are technically no concrete answers to that, but there is sort of some general uh, standards that I follow, I guess that I've created for myself. You know, first of all, I, I buy what I like, right? I think that art is something that changes per person and is very subjective. And at the end of the day, a piece of art that speaks to you may not speak to someone else. So, you know, for the most part, I'm buying art that is either impressive to me, is somewhat innovative, or has some kind of historical significance that I think is worthy of, you know, my, it being purchased by me. Um, you know, the, the, the other thing that I look at uh, specifically is, you know, who, who is the artist, you know, you see a bunch of different artists putting out their artwork, but, you know, I, I take a look at the context that surrounds the piece of art and, and the work of art and, and, you know, where it fits within not only the artist's specific thematic work, but also the greater context of the space and what's going on. Um, you know, is there s- historical significance to it? Um, you know, what, what is the piece trying to say? So, for example, one of the pieces that um, that I'm really enamored with is, you know, Trevor Jones' uh, Picasso's book. And to me, I, I saw it, I'm like, okay, you know what? That actually looks really cool. It's interesting, it's different. The digital format and technique that the artist took to approach the artwork with is pretty special. So then I did a little bit of research on him. You know, I had seen that he had been an artist for a while. He had transitioned into the uh, digital world. And then I saw that he had created an actual physical version and that it's sold. And then I'm seeing that, okay, it's pretty special. So then I look at the piece of art. In fact, I, I might have it back here, um, actually. And I see a lot of symbolism in it. I see the Twitter bird. I see the end for Nifty Gateway, which was the platform on which that piece of art was going to sell. Uh, it's Picasso's bull. It deals with cubism. So there's homage that's being paid to a great artist from pre from before. And there's also historical significance to the crypto space and also NFT and crypto art. So I said, man, this, this, this thing is amazing. To me, that was valuable. Uh, And that art piece spoke to me and I purchased that. And I was very happy with that. And now as an investor, from that standpoint, it's, it's done really well. Um, You know, Carlos, for example, when I saw, when I came across Carlos's stuff, I was like, who is this guy? What he's doing is incredible and phenomenal. And from the other NFT pieces that I've seen, I haven't seen that stuff before. I mean, he was doing uh, stuff with rendering, which is using another crypto token. And I'm like, okay, I know about this token. I think they're doing great stuff. I think they're working with Google. And Carlos is using crypto, a crypto token to create crypto art. That's as amazing as it gets. So I said, okay, cool, let's take a look at this. The format was different. And then I saw that he, in his artwork, paid a lot of homage to, you know, Latino art. And I think that we need more of that in the space. And so I contacted him and I said, hey, Carlos, look, I love what you're doing, I love this. And at some point in time, I sort of asked Nifty Gateway, why isn't Carlos on here? We need more Latino artists, we need, his work is amazing. And I don't know how it happened, but literally a couple of days later, Carlos was on, and, and there was a drop and it sold out in seconds. And, and Carlos, like his work is just phenomenal. And that's what's so cool also about the space that it's so open that you have access and contact to people who can make things
3: happen. Um, when I started on Superbird, which was the first um, crypto art platform that I discovered uh, almost uh, a year ago, I think it's been like 11 months already that I've been on this amazing, life-changing, life-altering journey. Um, I, I don't, I don't even remember how I, um, how I stumbled. Como Super Rare, but when I checked it out, I saw that people were. I mean, it felt like Instagram, but it only had it had dollar signs on top of mm-hmm. the artwork, on top of the post. So, I saw other digital artworks and I saw that they, they had a price tag on them. Back then, it wasn't like the crazy numbers we're starting to see right now because um, there's, there's a, an explosion of, of all this. People are starting to discover it. Um, it's getting with kind of like, it's starting to get some kind of mainstream attention. Uh, so, so but, but when I, when I uh, discovered it back then, uh, I saw like people were paying, I don't know, $40, $50 for a 3D render. And I thought to myself, who is doing this? Like, how, how, how is this possible? Because I've been uploading my art to Instagram, to Facebook, Uh, to Twitter for years. And I have never received a fucking check from any of those companies. (laughs) And and, and they've been making a lot of money out of all those freaking posts that me and other very talented digital artists and even analog artists have been, you know, posting on all these um, centralized platforms. So that immediately blew my mind, you know, and, and it wasn't near like the prices we're seeing today. Um, it was like $40, like no way, like $40. And now you got like Trevor Jones selling for like 50,000, 50, right? 50,000. Uh, so, so but, but, but that was enough for me. That was enough for me. I was actually in James um, same position. I, um, a couple of years ago. I had a friend tell me that if I wanted, he was in in Toronto in Canada, and he told me if I was interested in opening up a little design studio dedicated exclusively to blockchain companies. Okay, so so I, I come from the very same like experience as James, like working as a designer for blockchain companies, but 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 but. The same thing that happened to James happened to me. Like I was exposed to like NFTs, uh, but I couldn't grasp it back then. Like I didn't understand it. I saw like the famous CryptoKitties and then a couple of other projects came around. And I was like, that's interesting, but but I don't know where that's going. I, I, I couldn't like, no lo podía entender completamente. Right. But then yeah, when- I remember.
2: I remember crypto kitties and someone trying to right. explain that to me, and right. I remember being like, "Just get out of my, get out of my fucking face!" I was like, "I, I was really like, wait, do. they do what? And they sell uh-huh. what? And I was uh-huh. like, <laughs> no, I almost <laughs> left the internet. I almost exactly. left the internet after that. <laughs> so,
3: so, so, even though I, I was exposed, uh, uh, like early on to like NFTs. It wasn't until I saw, like, crypto art platforms, like, you know, like, working with, like, proper crypto art, you know, that, that's when I made the connection, like, say, oh, my God, okay, this is happening. Um, so, so, I just said, you know what, I don't care, like, I'm just going to, like, I created, like, an initial series called, and I've kept uh, working on that series. It's, like, an ongoing artistic series called Fiat es Violentium which is Latin for like fiat money, like US dollars, euros, Mexican pesos, is violence. Um, because it's kind of my way of saying, you know, people tend to think that people that use Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are kind of like criminals, right? Like they, they, they use those coins to do like, you know, a, a illegal activity. And it's like, no dude, it's the banks. You know, you, you get the, the report like a couple of weeks ago about how much money like the big banks mm-hmm.
1: uh yeah and jp morgan just recently JP, like all of them like they, of dollars they, they for laundry trillions, trillions
3: exactly um and that came out you know and i I, and I decided to to come out with that series to try to make like a big impact because i knew there was a lot of people in this space that knew about cryptocurrency so so i i, I decided to make you know uh to do that and 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 i i I, I can remember like when I got like I think my first beat was for like a hundred dollars. For like a hundred dollars. And I was like, I I dude, I jumped in excitement. <sighs> you know, it was like yeah. massive excitement. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I've been posting all these like these same images done with the same software, yeah. with the same techniques, um, in Instagram, in in in, in other platforms, and, and the most that I was getting out of that was like a client here and a client there, you know, for like a design project. So when I saw that somebody was willing to pay for that artwork, it, it, it just blew my mind. So I, I, I think to, to go back to your question, uh, I, I've led the, the market, kind of like the free market, which is something that you don't get in the traditional art market. It's not a free market. It is not. It's a very close market. They, 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 you know, they alter the prices. They, they, they do all kind of mm. like shady stuff, right? So, so um, I've let the market decide what's the value. And I've, I, I, I always tell myself that whenever I put out a new NFT piece, I go on a price discovery journey, right? Mm. And, and, and I've just seen how my prices as, as, as my career as a crypto, art, crypto artist has taken off, and and as crypto art is, uh, crypto art has become more of a thing. My my prices have just gone, gone up,
2: you know. Do you um, do you have like a set? Do you do you have a start price, or is there a minimum, or you just whatever the first bid is? Because cool, I mean, yeah. at the same time, like you want to let the industry decide, but you also don't want a, a fire <laughs> sale of everyone buying your R for a dollar because they're like, oh, he doesn't care, like. <laughs>
3: Right, right, right. <laughs> that, that, I got to that point, um, you know, later on, you know, it took okay. me some time. Uh, I, I started reading about the art market, even if there's nothing about the digital art market written right now, but I, I'm pretty sure there's like tons of people getting their hands on, you know, on, on working on that, on writing the first books, the first academic papers regarding the digital art market and crypto art. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure of that in 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 a lot of universities and colleges all around the world because it's, it's 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 getting there so 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 i started like reading a little bit more about like how artists price themselves what are kind of like the techniques um which i think is one of the most fascinating things about crypto art it it it, it needs you to educate yourself even if it's minimally about uh the market you need to understand the right. market you right. cannot be kind of like this the PRTs like I don't care I'm just doing whatever right. and, uh, and uh, um, no you, you have to be a little bit of a host uh, like you have to hustle a little bit okay I've always said that you know yeah, yeah. Right. you have to be able to 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 read the market mm. Uh, and so 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 going back to James question for example now I I, I calculate the average of my last sales okay and from there I, I, that's the minimum, right? Like that, that, like that average is the minimum that I would, will accept. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that it will go even higher and my yeah, prices, sure. you know, keep climbing up a little bit, but also I'm, I'm not obsessed with my prices going like, like very quickly, uh, like, like to the stratosphere right. because, because it, it, that doesn't make sense. You know, like, and I, am like, I'm, I'm here for the long run. I'm here for the long journey. So I started selling at like $40, $100. And I kept selling, you know, at that price point for a little while. Like I, I wasn't like expecting that to go higher. But then one collector came and, and pushed the price a little bit higher. and said, okay, now I'm comfortable to ask like maybe $200. let us do 200 and let's see what happens. So mm-hmm. I, I've been slowly, slowly um, building up, you know, the, those prices. Like I know... That there's no way that I could have gone, but but I've seen other artists now doing that. That they 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 Hopefully. sold, the, yeah, like the first piece for like a lot of money, and and the problem is you you also reduce your collector base. Mm.
2: Right?
3: You want as much as much people owning uh, your art, especially at the beginning. You know, it's 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 a marketing strategy also. You want to get your name out there. Am I hoping in 20 years to have an artwork that only the one person might buy? Yeah, sure. Good. Sure. It might happen, but it, it, it will take me like 20 years and I'm ready to go on that journey.
0: So let me stop you there because uh, in this article uh, that we checked out on Medium um, mm-hmm. that was written about you, uh, it says here, Marcel Torres is one of the first digital artists in arts history to live completely off crypto and crypto art. So the the reason I, I'm reading that... Uh, I love that. that, I, that again, say that again. Say that yeah. again. I love that. I love
1: that. Say so that
0: Carlos again. is one of the first digital artists in arts history to live completely off crypto and crypto. Ooh, love that. That makes me feel so good. The reason I'm, I'm reading anything, that... Carlos. The reason I'm reading that here uh, right now, as opposed to the end, is so that whoever's listening to this um, can feel like, you know, this is a thing. This is a possibility. And maybe the art market that they were exposed to is maybe not the one, but we clearly have an artist who has found his place and, and is, is is making a living and living off of it. So we're good. We're, we're, we're that statement is applicable to you, Carlos. You're, yeah, you're 100%, that guy. 100%.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I mean, I, if you want to like, I can tell you like a little bit of my, of my story because it has to do with what's been going on in this okay. crazy 2020 year. Uh, I was like, I was telling you uh, in a similar position as James is right now. Uh, I was working remotely. I I came back to to Mexico. I was kind of like traveling back and forth between um, Toronto in in Canada and and Mexico City. And then at one point, um, I mean, I won't get into the details, but I lost my job. You know, um, probably, uh, you know, it's as an indirect cause of COVID-19, right? Uh, so so when when that happened, I was already making uh, a good amount. You know, it wasn't like crazy. It was just like su- like a side hustle, money. You know, no era mucho. But 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 when I knew, like I I was able to read the signs, and I knew my my like my job was not gonna last a lot longer. I said, you know what? F this. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. I know that if I, that if I make the effort to, like, promote myself a little bit better, I use social media as a leverage, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a good chance, you know, and, and I didn't have any, no tenía otra opción, papá. I didn't have any, any option. I was it. like, this is going to happen. I'm going to lose my job, you know. Um, as many people, uh, you know, como mucha gente ha perdido el trabajo ahora con, con todo lo del COVID-19, tú sabes. Yeah. It's been, it's been, that's why I, I was, you know, I began uh, the, the interview, you know, saying it's been a complicated year, Sure. Uh, but, but, but I, I have to, you know, thank God for, for crypto art. Honestly, I have to, it came into my life in the right moment and it was, a, it was a freaking lifesaver, that's great. you know, my, my kids eat right now off the sales of my digital art, that's you know, so cool my fridge is full of really healthy food you know for my kids (laughs) because of crypto art this is real this This happened and 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 i just had to like it sounds like james said you know like there's so there's so many cliches right um and but i had to believe in myself yeah i said i i I know i'm 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 doing it i'm I'm, and I'm, i'm i'm constructing this career and i'm having this opportunity i'm gonna go for it and and I've just been very strategic about the money that I've been receiving, so that's also that's for me is really important for artists to hear like crypto yeah. art also makes you more aware of of the of, of like finances and, and mm. economy and how money works and and yeah. how do you use your money and how you invest your money and and we don't get that education me, in art school me, we yeah. don't get it we don't get it even no. when we talk money in art school. It's like, no, you don't, you don't talk money. That's, that's evil, right? Like money's evil. Yeah. And no way, you know, like I, I, my dream was to live off my art.
0: Yeah. At this point, how business, how a business class is not embedded in a BFA or an MFA is, is beyond me, exactly. but I, wa- I do, I do want to stay on this topic and Hernan, this one is going to be, it's going to go to you. So in a previous conversation, and it's also been mentioned here about how the art market, or in this case, I'm quoting you, the system is broken in regards to art industry. Um, How can you expand on that statement? And also, um, how has crypto art now allowed the average man to jump in? So So why is the system broken? And how has crypto art allowed the average person to jump in?
3: Can I add something really quick before none sure. answers that? Because I, I think that, that, I mean, the, when I noticed, I mean, I got my first beat when I put up my first artwork on Super Rare. I got $100 for it. So I think I immediately accepted that beat, right? And yeah. got sold for $100. I think it only took like two months for that first collector to, to res- resell the artwork for, I think it was, was it like like $400? Wow. Well, he bought it a hundred dollars and it only took him uh, two months. And I actually, I'm going to say, that's when I said, there's, this is really interesting. Yes. This is really interesting because we all can win. I win as an artist, but if you believe in me and you see me also kind of like as an investment, you're going to end up making money.
0: Sure. All right, Hernan, go for it, man. All right, so
1: yes, yeah, so like you said, I, I touched upon this um, previously, and I think that it, it it is a topic that is essential to me. Um, you know, the the system is broken. The art system is broken. You know, and it's funny I say that because I was never necessarily previously involved in the art world or in the art system. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't have the means to collect art. I didn't. I don't have the money. I don't have the knowledge. I don't know people in that sector that actually do art in the sense that they, you know, create it and sell it for money, uh, and have contacts with galleries and investors and collectors. Mm -hmm. The people that I know that do art, people such as yourself, studied, well-educated, who took upon art as a career and something that they actually want to uh, do and want to create things, and are phenomenal and fantastic at it. Um, Those are the kind of people that I know. But they sell things, but not necessarily to the extent that I'm sort of talking about right now. And so, and so that to me is a problem, the fact that you have people who are in and people who are out. And that's a means of oppression. Mm-hmm. And that bothers me a lot because there, in many ways, there's a lot of that in various aspects of this society that we live in who's in and who's out, who knows, who doesn't know, who has access, who doesn't have access. And that manifests itself in many different ways. And, and one of those ways is, um, you know, access to the information. I don't know necessarily about what galleries are happening and when and what artists are there. Um, and sure, you know, now we live in the uh, digital age where you can find information and it's easy, yeah. but it's not really that easy. You know, sure you can find out who's going to be there. Sure, you can find out what they've done before. But everything is sort of hidden in this shroud of secrecy. Um, and, and like I said before, you know, there's a mystique to it. Um, and, and it's not like people are willing to share. You know, if you look at art, for the last, I think, 10 years or so, art has been one of the greatest store of values for money. Uh, not just that, but it's additionally been one of the greatest vehicles for uh, in investing and increasing your, your money and to not be able to have access to that as a people is Mm. impoverishing in many ways. And just, you know, literally, uh, you know, when you think about it, it's impoverishing in the sense that you're left out, you know, and it's impoverishing in, in the sense that literally your money is also not able to accrue as much value as other people who have the means to do so. You know the other thing is that the the art is outpriced uh you know someone like me cannot buy a four thousand dollar sculpture or painting, and even that to some extent in a lot of these galleries is is on the in the lower end yeah um, you know you look at Christie's they're selling things for <laughs> thousands if not millions, and we're talking like tens at the very low end, but hundreds and 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 millions you know and so how is it possible that one, someone like me can collect art Two, someone like me with my means can support someone who's creating art, Mm -hmm. right? Because they don't have galleries for people who are creating art that is of lesser value, you know? And so that's, that's the reasons for that are, you know, sort of in the same realm, but are different. Um, And when I saw that happening in the, in the, in the crypto space, and I saw that opening up to me, it was mind blowing because all of a sudden Now there's a world that's accessible to people who were previously excluded for whatever the reasons were -hmm. either because they didn't know or because you know they couldn't access information or because they didn't have access to the type of money that was necessary as an, as a, uh, as a barrier of entry to enter those fields. Okay. And that to me is very sad. So that was amazing to me. So that's, um, how the system is broken, and I think that crypto fixes it. Uh, okay. And as, as you've heard Carlos say before, you know he's he's now, in my opinion, that's successful. You know, he is surviving off his art, which is the goal that he had set for himself, and he's going to go way beyond that. I um, think the other question is, uh, how is it that crypto art makes it possible for people to jump in, or yeah. not? Like, yeah, what? as 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 a buyer. Yeah. Oh, as a buyer, because it's both. I think that. Crypto art makes it difficult for people to jump in. And I'll say okay. that to begin with right. because some of the platforms are a bit complicated um, and it takes a little bit of technical understanding of how blockchain works and the user experience and the user interface of some of these things aren't as easy as okay. it is for someone who doesn't know much about technology to just like go in and enter, right? It's a little bit mm-hmm. more complicated. That being said... I think that crypto art makes it very easy for someone like me to jump in because now all of a sudden you're being exposed to various types of art, various types of artists, art that is priced at various sort of levels. And the most important thing that facilitates that is the fact that blockchain and crypto art eliminates the middleman. Right. That's the beauty of the whole system. I don't, no one is needed to verify authenticity boom, that fee, that cost is gone. No gallery, no physical gallery that costs money to uh, maintain is necessary. So boom, that fee is gone. No one person that needs to advocate for or market your art is necessary. Boom, that's gone. So all of a sudden, all of these fees that were previously incurred upon whatever cost or investment you made have vanished. So if it so so not only is Carlos making as an artist making more money when he sells his art but someone like me is paying less money in order to obtain and acquire his art and that's a beautiful thing because now things are collapsing and someone like me can now actually call you know uh himself an investor and I take pride in that I think that's super cool yeah
0: yeah you should
3: like I think the the art world has always been like a very small circle. Mm. And I think what crypto art is doing is expanding that circle. For example, for the longest time, I thought that if I wanted, like the the, the only way I was going to like become like a really successful fine artist or artist was if I moved uh, to New York or if I moved to Paris. I thought, or or Los Angeles, right? Like, if I was not in, if I was not in any of those cities, there was no chance for me to get to be known. And and it's really kind of like um, silly to to like like hearing myself saying that because we live in the information age, right? But you still have like these very close, very small, reduced mm-hmm. circles, you know but that's being that's being that's being disrupted that's Mm -hmm. being disrupted you you have you have a guy like uh, you have an artist like me being in mexico city in the third world having a chance to jump into the inner circle of the art world you have a guy like osinachi in nigeria in africa Mm -hmm. doing the same thing you have a guy like twisted vacancy who is in is it in the Philippines? Or is it Thailand, like, like Southeast Asia, okay? So none of us, like you think, Latin, like I gave you example, Latin American artists, African artists, and a Southeast Asian artists. And we've all become somewhat successful because of this technology without having to necessarily move to London, or to Paris, or to New York, or to Los Angeles, which is something that I don't, uh, I like, I don't, uh, um, I, I have I've been actually considering, like, after, like, COVID-19 is, is, is gone, or we find the vaccine, we, we discover yeah. the vaccine. I've been even thinking, like, I want to move to New York, for example. I mean, it's something that I've been thinking about, you know? I'm over uh, here, I'm over here, brother. I, I, I'm thinking about it, and, and now that, you know, I know, a lot, a, like, it's been, like, the city has been empty, emptying itself. So it might, it might be the opportunity for the underdog like me, but, but, but to come into the city and, and see what, what, like how, how can I further my art career. But, but I have that intention now of moving to New York City because I have already have some access to the art world. And maybe New York is just going to like, boom, you know, like help me, you know, move a little bit further. But I've been doing it already from Latin America, from the third world. So that's
1: fascinating. Hey, just just super quick, you guys. Um, I want to add on something that Carlos said in terms of how crypto art has been opening up and providing all of these opportunities. It's like when I try to describe this to my friends, you know, a a lot of them laugh at me uh, or make fun of me. And there are a few memes out there that Carlos has seen in the crypto art space that you know, say like, hey, why would I buy this when I can just right click and save it and download it to my desktop, right? So I get a lot of that. And, and it's funny. And I laugh because I, I totally understand. You know, I thought that too at one point. Um, but but in terms of the world being, the crypto art scene being so small and it opening up to so many people, you know, the way that I describe it is that the, the, the crypto art scene is a, is a speck inside a dot of an industry. I mean, and when you think about that, it is mind-blowing. And that industry exists within a larger sphere, right? Again, the crypto art scene is a speck within a dot of an industry that exists within a larger sphere. And when you think about that, that's phenomenal. I mean, the amount of growth and the amount of, of, of explosive and exponential just growth and access and openness that's going to occur and that has already happened, is, is mind blowing, and it is a beautiful thing because, in my opinion, it is creating more unity and more love and more understanding of cultures uh, and more friendships across, you know, nations. And, and And it's phenomenal because, you know, Carlos mentioned Osanachi, and and I'm learning about what some of what osinachi is is dealing with in nigeria um you know i'm I'm learning a little bit about what twisted vacancy is going through i'm learning a lot about what carlos is going through and and that to me merges worlds of history education you know social policy and that's learning that 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 is i think a a beautiful thing that's happening and it's that art suddenly is acquiring and developing a respect that previously, in my opinion, in schools did not have. And that is beautiful to me because I think that art is a beautiful medium within which you can teach everything else that is taught in school. In fact, it's probably the best medium because it teaches empathy, it teaches love, it teaches understanding.
3: And I think I'm gonna just add to that, like you're just adding on top of like, (laughs) it's beautiful. Uh, I agree. Uh, we're moving into a much more like multicultural world and the art for that multicultural world is crypto art because it has no borders. It has no fucking walls. You cannot construct walls around it to keep some outside at some inside. It's open source technology. It's open to everybody. Um, so, so in the, in the, in the world that we're moving forward, right? Like the the world we're going to like move forward into, you need something like this, you know, and I agree with her, what Hernan said, you know, uh, we need it because art teaches us about, you know, unity, other, have respect for other cultures, for other people's experiences, expressions. So if you have, you can have that at a global scale, right? And with people being able to live off their art. You know, that's, that's, that's beautiful. That's, that's the new world. We're, and I, we're now entering the, 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 the 21st century.
2: Yeah. And, I, and I think, I think you, you hit on a few different uh, topics there. And I think one of them that I find the most interesting is this idea of, you know, you kept talking about the circle of artists, right? Um, but when you really think about that, that's also a very new idea, right? This idea of an artist that makes money. Um, is a new concept, right? So we're talking, let's say, what, 1950s and after is when artists started becoming, you know, people that can actually monetize their art, right? Um, we, you know, if you look past that, you know, the, the best way for an artist to sell their artwork uh, before that time was to die. <laughs> like, you die and then your artwork increases in value and then someone else yeah. makes the money off of it, right? So it was exactly. like, yes. you, you know, you look at all these famous artists, none of them, none of, like, so many of them died in poverty, I'm right? And now, me. you know you see I'm their work and their work is in Christie's and it's millions and billions of dollars and it's like, you know, this person died in a, in a gutter, right? Um, but this idea of, of an artist making money off their mm. their work is new and it's also very it's very strategic. It's, it wasn't something that was done where like artists are like, oh, we're going to start making money now. It was, you know, outer sources coming in and seeing that they could make money off these artists. Right. Um, and then pushing the artists that they think can make them the most money forward. Right. So it's, so even with that, it's like these artists that we look at in the circle, in the upper circle, um, a lot of them, essentially, it's sad to say it, but are also just puppets of a, of a bigger hand mm-hmm. that's like, I handpicked you because I think I can make 10 times what you're going to make off the art, right? Yeah. So, what the concept you're saying is like, you know, I'm an artist, I'm going to make money, and I don't have to die or sell my soul to do that, which I think is exactly. pretty cool. Exactly.
3: Mm. Right on. And, and I'm going to add something else that we haven't talked about, Hernan, like we haven't mentioned this, it's uh, royalties.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's actually what I had in mind, You're you right? That
3: in mind, dude, we're yeah, connected, yeah, you see. Because,
1: you want me to because, because
3: I because James mentioned for example like you have to be uh like 90% 90% of the big sales on like Christie's and Sotheby's are dead artists. But you got like a very like small amount of living artists that do sell on Christie on Sotheby's, but this is the really interesting part. Because, for example, you have a, a painter like Ger- Gerhard Richter, the German painter, uh, and and he sells like you know eight million, ten million. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it might be even more. You know, because that's the thing with this like crazy numbers. Like you say, oh, it's you know like like in in, in Austin Powers, one million dollar, right? And it's it's much more, and you you cannot like grasp you know like people are willing to pay that much amount but but going back to that to the to the idea of of royalties like Gerhard Richter I I was watching one of Christie's uh, latest auctions and I I he sold a painting for like 10 million but he won't see not even a penny from that sale not even a penny
1: Right, so so yeah, I'm, I'm actually gonna jump in on that. And that's most likely because of the fact that once you, I think, I think once, a, once an artist is, has sold the painting, I think the artist is removed from the paint, painting. So um, um, they have no rights to it. And I think that that's the other thing that, you know, the blockchain technology is going to help resolve because as an artist, you, you still maintain artistic intent. You still maintain, um, you know, royalties from works that you've created. And I think it's only right that an artist continues to get a certain amount of money from those sales, aka royalties, because that artist created that work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the, the, the beautiful and amazing thing of blockchain, and, and, it, and it fixes this system because the system is broken, it fixes this, is that you can create the art in such a way where you can program the smart contract in which the art exists and, and, and lives to kick back a certain amount of royalty each time it's sold. So I think that right now some platforms have it at 10%, but I think that can also change and you can program it to be 15 or 20%. And, and that's only right because if Carlos sells one of his paintings to me for $200, let's say, right, I, I don't know exactly how it works. I'm assuming he gets all of that the first time around, right? But then I go ahead and I sell that painting again for well how awesome is it for Carlos if he sees you know 10% of that
3: $40 and I get 360 hey we're all winning here and that's amazing it is it is freaking amazing because it's the first time it's happening in history right and so then that first time it happened in history again Carlos should again
1: also benefit from his art continuing to accrue value because it so so There would have been, or there was, no incentive for an artist to sell his artwork if the artist believes that he is that talented, or she is that talented, and that artwork is going to be millions of dollars. Well, why would I sell this artwork now if this bozo here believes that my artwork is only valued at a hundred bucks, and after that, I'm not going to get any royalties. And so, big, the you know, Ethereum, Bitcoin, blockchain, it. Fixes this, and that is a beautiful thing. I believe that artists should continue to get paid when their artwork continues to get sold and it in mm-hmm. value. Some of that should be kicked back to the artists.
3: It only makes right. Make sense. right. That, that's why, also, like when I like my first artwork got resolved on Superware, I not only got the notice that my artwork was resolved, I actually immediately got 10% of huh. that $400 uh, price, like I got $40 automatically go into my account. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, as as happy as I was when I got the first $100 because it's it's my artwork, it keep, keeps working for me. It not yeah. only works for the collector because in the old traditional art system, which is really fucking broken, the yeah. only one that was gonna keep on, you know, enjoying the benefits of me building my artwork was gonna be the collector, but yeah. now the, the the relationship is even it, it's even better. It's it's like I it's like if Hernan buys a piece of uh, a, an artwork from for from me right now at four hundred dollars, and like in five years he resolves that artwork for a million dollars, I'm gonna be super happy for him <laughs> and for right. me Absolutely. because I'm gonna get ten percent from that million dollar. Yeah, so I, I, I have all this incentive. To kind of like say, Henan, let's work together. We're a team. You know? You're yeah. not just thinking about yourself and, and, and saying, Oh, I'm gonna buy this artist now before there's a lot of hype and then I'm just gonna resell it. I'm gonna, you know, get all that money for myself. It's more more it's more community driven. <laughs> it's more cooperative in, in that sense.
2: Well, I don't I don't know about the people listening, but I'm immediately going to go on Instagram after this and take down all of my artwork because they're not going <laughs> to fucking make money off of me anymore. But if if our viewers are, really quick, if our viewers are thinking that, right, like, you know, fuck this. Like, I'm not yeah, making yeah, any money yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. What, are, what are some platforms? You know, you guys have spoke about a little bit. What are some, you know, if, if they, obviously, they could do a Google search, but what are some cool ones you guys have come across that you think people can at least check out? Like, you want to
3: go ahead and head now?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll start from a buyer's perspective and this sort of one in the same, but I'm sure Carlos has, you know, a lot more knowledge about how to get in and, and, and that extent. But, um, you know, there, there are various platforms out there. I mean, you're looking at platforms like SuperRare, which Carlos mentioned. Um, you're looking at platforms like Rarible, R-A-R-I-B-L-E. Um, and, and on those platforms, uh, I think on Rarible specifically, people, anyone can go on there and mint something and say, "Hey, this is my digital piece of art," and sell it. Um, and eventually, yeah,
2: that's right. Uh-huh.
1: Royalties. Super rare. I'm not exactly as sure about because I think that they're more quote unquote rare pieces, so they're one of their editions of one. Um, so right.
3: Exactly. Shoot. You cannot go do on. additions. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So anyway, well, it, it is also curated. Right. It, it's curated. It's uh It's curated. Okay. There we go. I didn't know that. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. You, like for example, right. you have like you have Superbird. You gotcha. got Maker's Place. You've got, uh, mm-hmm. and and you got the known origin. And Nifty Gateway. You have Nifty Gateway also. Right. Uh, so, yes. I did so, a drop yesterday uh, on
1: curated, and there's some that are not curated in the sense that anyone can go on there, and that is kind of a very important part of the entire sort of crypto space uh, and the crypto art scene because it's decentralized. In in, in other words, it is permissionless, which is what facilitates the fact that it is so open. Anyone can do it, right? So anyone can go on Rarible and, quote, unquote, mint, you know, which is what it's called, a, a a piece of art, and say, okay, this is going to be out of five editions, and these five, whoever wants to buy it, can just buy it. and the decentralized nature of it is a beautiful thing of course it's a little more challenging to get on it and to figure it out because it's not centralized so the user experience is not as uh user friendly to use you know layman's terms but you know then you have the markets like uh super rare and maker's place and known origins and nifty gateway where the art is more curated so that they serve more the function of like galleries where they invite the artists to come on Um, the artist has his or her theme and then they create the pieces and you know they decide how many editions and and the price and then they get sold. So uh, Nifty Gateway has done actually a very good job of making the process very easy for a buyer like me to go on. Uh, I don't even need digital currencies. I can just use my credit card and purchase whatever it is that I like on there. And in fact, they also have a secondary market, which is fantastic because artists can continue to benefit from secondary and tertiary sales. Okay.
3: So I would expect to see uh, a, a, at least on Rarible, uh, because I think that's really like an important uh, distinction. So you have like, like Hernan said, you know, you have these platforms positioning themselves kind of like galleries, right? So you have to apply, you have to send your portfolio, And and it's a little bit more curated. I I I I won't say they're like super closed off, but you see a little bit of that. But the good thing is that you're having you're seeing other platforms completely open, so Mm -hmm. that means there's no excuse. So I'm I'm expecting to to see one love art NFTs on (laughs) Raribon, you know, tomorrow. Tomorrow.
2: I'm I'm definitely gonna look into it, man. If so I can get me some, some checks. Yes, uh yes, because yes. I'm I'm definitely fed up with the physical art world and, and, and Dito can Dito can tell you about okay. my thing with uh yeah, <laughs> I just I'm I'm doing stickers now because I was tired of doing everything else and the production it just it costs so much money as as well to create art that it's exhausting at at some point. And as a digital artist, it's always a question of creating digital art. And then how do you, how do you, how do you present it to the person buying it? Like what's the best medium for them to appreciate what you did? And usually I'm like, the best way to appreciate my art is on a computer screen. So I might as well just Uh hand them my computer. Like, Uh yeah, take my laptop and stare at it. Like (laughs) just buy the whole laptop. (laughs) Um, Before we, before we before we close out, Carlos, can you tell us, a little bit about your subject matter uh magical realism
3: sure i mean uh, for all that come from la- all of you that come from latin america you might have heard of magical realism because it's something that comes from our countries uh because you have for example in europe you have surrealism um it was all about kind of like dreams and all this kind of like fantastical world and it felt kind of like disconnected from people's everyday lives. So, in Latin America, we we notice. I think, a lot of artists in the 20th century, when, when, when surrealism started uh, getting coming into, like, Latin America, like, a lot of Latin American artists were, like, Latino artists were, like, dude, fantasy, that's, that's, that's our reality. Mm. That's our reality here, you know? Like, you, you, you have your grandma who have, has an altar that puts food, like real cooked food <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. for her ancestors to come down and eat it. And you got all these kind of like crazy things that happen, you know, like it was like normal things in all of our countries. So so it, it, it ended up becoming magical realism, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it, it is magical. It is fantastical, but it always, always has uh, its grounded on our everyday reality. Right. It doesn't matter if you're in Argentina or in the Dominican Republic, it's grounded to, to our reality. Uh, mm. Because I think we experience reality in, in a different way, probably, than many other cultures. And, and fantasy and, and all those stuff are intertwined in, in who we are, right? In our culture. So I've been trying to, 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 to create kind of like magical my, my realism 2.0, right? Like magical realism for, for the digital age. So, so it's, it's all about like, I mean, it's like augmented reality because we had augmented reality before augmented reality was a thing. You had your grandma talking to the ancestors, you know, you you had all, all these crazy communication channels. So, so I'm trying to bring all that culture, that rich culture that we all have as Latinos to the, to the digital and crypto world.
0: Yeah, I'm adding it to my, to my two study lists.
3: Please do, and, and if you can pass on, the, on that knowledge, because I know you're uh, an art teacher. Yeah. To, to uh, that, that would be the thing that I would ask from you. Absolutely. Like all these things, you know, we come from such a rich culture, and it would benefit not only people from our culture, from but from, every like, any culture, you yeah. know? So and my please, students
0: will be, uh, I'll tell my students, hey, I met this cool guy, Carlos. <laughs>
3: tell
0: me about this thing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so so my thing it's it's digital magical realism I'm trying to bring elements that that's why I'm saying like I I've been bringing in like Aztec Magians but also kind of like Afro-Caribbean I'm willing to explore like Taino culture later on and then just make this fantastical mix you know I I feel like my 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 artwork even though it's uh digital and it's it's a how do you say intangible on tangible like it's not physical yeah right um it has a spirit but Mm. that's a cool thing because spirits are not physical you know ghosts are not physical Mm. what you wouldn't use ghosts you know we use spirit you know we we have spiritism we have santeria we have paloma yombe in the dominican republic you know we got all these traditions that even though they're connected to like physical objects, they they just talk about you know our spirituality and how how spiritual we are as a people. So to be able to make that connection between digital and 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 the spirits, it, it, that that, make, that fascinates me. Yeah, it's That's all fascinating.
1: Intuition. So or, yeah, well, some would call it that, right? Some would call it intuition if they don't believe in you know spiritualism. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. they are all interconnected. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if I if I can make people like feel that you know like feel like art makes you connect to something um, uh, uh, intangible, something you know greater. like art should be greater that. Uh, sorry.
1: Something greater than you. Yes,
3: yes. I should be. I, I should give you the door, the opportunity. Like the doors, just like the doors of perception. It should open up new doors of perception to see the world. In, in new and different ways. And it also comes back to the humility that you need to have to appreciate art. Because mm-hmm. art, and, and that's something we really don't have anymore in this world. Like people have become like so freaking intolerant to other people's you know, point of views. And art is precisely that. You know, you have, to be, you have to have the humility to stand in front of that artwork and see the world through somebody else's eyes. And I think that's beautiful. You have to open up yourself. Yeah. You have to, you know, you know, leave your ego at the door for a little while and try to see the world through somebody else's uh, eyes. I mean, and if they are all like spread around the world, so you can see how somebody sees the world from Nigeria, or they see it from France, or they see it from Ukraine, man, how, more, how much more beautiful can it be?
1: Yeah, art, art helps to open up the mind, the body, the soul, the spirit, the heart. And and that's what is so amazingly beautiful about them. And I think you and I have both touched upon this earlier, you know, the, the, the unity that it creates. It's a very uh, uh, harmonious unity that is created through love and empathy by being able to see something from someone else's perspective and it's it's a, it gives me goosebumps it's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. it's love really it's man yeah, name, are
0: you are you marketing our our, our podcast <laughs> i feel like i feel that like was beautiful i feel like that was a great thing but like a, that should be like our intro we should just <laughs> capture it her Hernan her said we got the thing
3: <laughs> and yeah. let me kind of like like if both. we ever
2: drop a, if we ever drop like a one love song, that's gonna be like the the intro like voiceover.
3: <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I I, I want to like maybe finish off like you know with this. It's like crypto art has given me the economic resources mm. to survive economically. I mean, it's fed my belly. It's felt. It's 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 giving me. It's giving me the the the, the resources. You know, to to feed myself and to feed my family, but that would ha- that would not have been enough for me to survive this shit.
0: Right, and and that and would
3: and not have been enough. Not not not. I mean, th- what? Sorry, Hernan. What have let me survive this is having Hernan, is having James, is having Dito, is having the community, is being able to talk to artists from from all over the world, is being able to connect with my collectors. Like I love my my. My relate the relationship like I, I really cherish the connection that I have with my collectors like like some some of them like Hernan I can call them my friends you that's know pretty. I can call them my friends mi amigo, mi panas that's awesome you know what yes, I mean yes, I, and yeah, that's absolutely. what really let me Incredible. survive this fucking <laughs> <city>. <laughs> that's <laughs> what you know let me survive uh, one of the things that um, that
1: Carlos said is something that I want to touch upon um. One of the, you know, beautiful and yet also um, demoralizing things about crypto art is the fact that when you think about it, you know, Carlos just said that this has been able to allow him to live and to create art. But, you know, one of the questions that I want to pose to everyone who listens to this is, imagine all of the artists that had to give up on art Because of the fact that they couldn't survive producing and creating the beautiful art that they were producing and creating. Think about all of the untold stories and histories of families, of societies, of cultures that were not created by amazing, skillful, talented people because of the fact that they couldn't survive creating what they were doing. And, and, And so, you know, when you think about crypto art, it's beautiful because of what Carlos said and how it's allowed him to do this and now to do it and to thrive doing it. And that's awesome. And yet it makes me think about the flip side, right? And that's the fact that, damn, so many beautifully talented people that have so many amazing things to say, so many powerful things to say, yeah. so many you know rebellious things to say that are just as important, could not have said those things could not have empowered other people because of the fact that they couldn't survive doing what they wanted to do, what they were meant to do. And so there's yeah. a lot of greatness mm-hmm. that has just not been produced. And, and that is very saddening. I mean, it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. It's disheartening.
3: Mm-hmm. you know.
1: And so, and so I don't know. I don't want to make things too sad, but I think that
3: You're going to make me cry. What,
1: what, well, yeah, because it's you know when you think about it, there's a lot of truth to that because there are lots of people. I mean, look, look at what happened to you. How many times were children told do not become artists? Uh-huh, but you, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. beautiful talent, that uh-huh. kid that produced that would have empowered my kid, your kid, someone exactly. else would have told that nation's history. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, it, it kind of makes me want to cry when I think about this stuff. Me, too? Because me too? Uh-huh. This is this like beautiful thing is going on that is beautiful and deep on so many levels, makes me also think about all of the things that were not done, all of the dreams that were, you know, not achieved, that were demolished, that were destroyed. I mean, think about the artist's plight, right? And and the depression that goes on and the sorrows and, and a good portion of it is because the artist wants to create, but society and how it works does not facilitate that. Mm-hmm and that breaks me that breaks me but but beautiful. you know to bring it back to a positive level it's yeah, beautiful mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. fucking amazing mm-hmm. and carlos i love you for being able to do that i love you dominic for other mm-hmm. people to also do it and that's what's so amazing to me i know i'm supporting carlos i know that i'm supporting a, a great movement and a great system and and i'm fortunate to be able to and and also other people like me can and of lesser means and of greater means like
2: it is so inclusive. It's for everyone. Uh-huh. That's awesome. That is awesome, guys. And uh, I've definitely learned a lot tonight and uh, over the past few days, actually uh, researching all this. Um, Carlos, you're an amazing artist, man. Um, you have you help facilitate all of this, and um, you definitely educated us a lot. Uh, yeah. So this has been a probably one of my favorite episodes conversations um, because I think I've I've taken the most uh, out of it Uh, before we go though uh, if you haven't listened to any of our shows before we we always end our shows our sessions uh, with a one final segment Uh, and that segment is called copy collab erase Uh, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you three creatives today I've pulled out three pop artists um, who I have I, in my opinion, came out, they kind of disrupted the art scene a little bit, being a little bit different, All right? So, I'm pick these three artists. You have to tell us, of these three artists, who, if you had the chance, you would copy their style, who you would love to collaborate with, and if someone has to go, who would you <laughs> erase? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. our three artists, mm-hmm. our three artists are Jackson Pollock, mm-hmm. Roy Lichtenstein, mm-hmm. and Keith Herring. Hmm.
3: so 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 what what are the options like someone i would like collaborate with
2: someone you would collaborate with someone Someone, you would copy copy. their style
3: yeah so you appreciate
2: their style you would you would use it in your own art and then someone has to go
3: (laughs) hmm oh man you're putting me on the spot take some time take some time on the spot take some time carlos i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say i would copy um, Roy Lick I don't know if I, I'm pronouncing Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, because well, Pollocks is really easy to copy. Really easy to <laughs> copy and keep hearing, yeah, sort of too. So if I had to like if it my livelihood depended on like copying a style, I'm gonna say Roy Liechtenstein, you know. Okay. Um okay.
2: Yeah,
3: maybe because there's a little bit more of technique, you know, going Shoot. on there um collaborate with with Keith Herring yes okay yeah definitely um very very um so, so Pollock's
2: gone Pollock's gone man
3: <laughs> and I feel sad because I love Pollock I I, I remember watching even like the, the movie that came out with this yeah I don't remember you know what I'm talking to- about uh Ed Harris movie. Ed Harris I remember Ed Harris, watching yes. that with, with my dad when I was uh, so I got like really good memories of seeing that movie with, with my dad when I was a teenager I'm thinking, you know, this is really interesting. Like, you know, I, I, I love art and I, 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 I so, so, so Pollock for me has, and I remember my dad, who's a painter, he was trying to get the Pollock Krasner scholarship or grant. Mm-hmm. There's a Pollock Krasner, right? The one that he built with his wife. Yeah. Um, so, so but, but yeah, he has to go.
2: <laughs> there's no, there's no easy answer here. If like it that, was easy, yeah. then we wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't yeah. ask.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Hernan, you have an opinion. All right, Hernan. Of course, I go. do. All right. There you go. <laughs>
1: so, uh so look, I'm not gonna lie. I actually had to look up who Roy Lichtenstein. That's here. okay. Uh, That's fine. I wasn't too familiar with his work. <laughs> I also looked up just now Jackson Pollock's work. But upon seeing Jackson Pollock's work, I recognized. Jackson, <laughs> but I won't give you my answer yet because then I also looked up Keith Haring's work just to make sure it wasn't like someone else who I thought it might be okay. like. Yes, I know Keith Haring's work. So this okay. is how I'm gonna break this down. <laughs> if I had to copy someone, it would be Roy Lichtenstein because he seems to have more of a pop art kind of feel to what he does. And I love that, it, it, it's it's loud it's vivacious, it speaks to me, it's active. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, okay. I love that. Uh-huh. If I had to collaborate with someone, it'd be Keith Haring. That's an easy one, why? Because my skills are more or less at like his level in the sense that <laughs> I'll <work> go <laughs> for years and like put Bye. a dash of art and color here. And like, you know what? He won't judge me for doing those things. That's like what I can do, you know? And he'll be happy with that. I mean, don't get me wrong, Clearly he has a lot more skill than I do, but just by looking at his artwork, yeah, I'll draw a few figures here and there, you know, like we can chill, hang out, you know, drink a little bit. <laughs> Who I'd erase immediately right now, Jackson Pollock. I never understood the whole dots <laughs> and sprays and drips and like, yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, some of it can call my attention visually. But uh but you know, I have strong views on uh you know, that kind of art. And I, I feel like I, I don't understand how someone like him can be can become so well known for making that kind of art and not someone else who can also produce something that can also be considered art in that same realm by using drips and dots and splashes. So that's why he erased it. Jackson Pollock, you're gone, bro. You're gone. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I'm copying your work. Don't get mad at me. Okay? It's cool. We are friends. In collaboration, keep hearing, bro. You and I to uh, We understand each other. You know? You won't judge me. <laughs> and I've already judged you. I think you're great. And you know, I you will know, do something a little similar. So
0: Jay, did you did you uh think of this? Like did
2: uh, you I'll I'll answer it. Um yeah. before I do answer, I wanna say that. I did have some different artists when we first started the episode. One of the artists that I've added added during the episode was Keith Haring. Um, And there's a significant reason why I did that. Um, Keith Haring, uh, rest in peace, uh, put a lot of his artwork, you know, in subway stations, on walls, um, in the public, because his thought process was that taking art, and putting it in a museum or making people pay for it was against the idea of art and that art should be for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the topic mm-hmm. and what you guys kept coming back to today was this idea that art mm-hmm. should be for everyone. Art's so as funny. soon as you you kept saying that and I was like, That is that's Keith Herring. Yes. So the idea of I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna draw something on he used to draw on the, the little poster areas the where the, billboard the subway kind of billboards are. And, and
3: billboard he used to be like,
2: film. this is for everyone. This is for everyone. You don't have to go to a museum to see art. You can see art right here. Um, so that's why I added them in there.
3: I, I um, what, what's the craziest thing? Like, crypto art is exactly the same. Like, you, everybody can see it. It's digital. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's in, in in all of these platforms. You can go in and enjoy it. There's no, like, you have to wait till the gallery owner opens up the gallery, even if he wants to let you in, because these are, like, really exclusive clubs, like what Hernán was saying. Yeah. Um so crypto art carries that same Keith Haring tradition.
2: Yeah. Okay. You know,
3: even though you have owners, you know, like you have the owner, but everybody can see it. Right. So it has that same
2: vibe. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Uh all right. So my answer is I would collab with Keith Herring. Um he's definitely one of my favorite artists. Uh I would copy Jackson Pollock. Um, I think there is uh A sense of emotion and order in the chaos in some of his work and I think while some people look at it as just splatters on a canvas um, (laughs) there is a story of what not you personally or not I'm not (laughs) (laughs) No, there's a there's a story behind what he did and why he did certain things and I think um, just the chaos chaos can be beautiful at times um, and for no reason, because he's just the third artist on here, I would uh, erase Roy Lichtenstein. Um, I do love his work. Uh, I actually do some halftone type stuff, uh, but yeah, he's gone.
0: I'm going to address them on a first name basis as if they were my friends. But um, I am going to copy Keith for the same reasons you included him in the list for access and visibility. I'm going to collaborate with Roy so I could write a comic book with him.
1: Mm.
0: And I'm mm-hmm. going to erase Jackson because I think Lee Krasner, his wife, was a better artist than him.
2: Ooh, okay.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Taking that hot take.
2: So that's like uh, a Diego Rivera, Frida Kahlo thing? Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm
0: going with Lee Krasner okay. in this one. So if you put her on the list, I'd have to ar- rearrange my my order. But, okay. uh, no gentlemen, thank you.
2: Yes. Uh, thank you. And before we go, uh, can you just tell our audience how they can connect with you guys, how they can find you, uh, whether it be on one of the platforms or social media? Uh, how do they How do they reach out to you guys and chat or connect?
3: Sure. And um, thank you for that. I mean, I, you can find me. I'm super active on Twitter because a lot of like the crypto world um, happens on Twitter. So you can find me as Carlos Marcial. Uh, Marcial ends with an L, but then my handle has a T at the end for Torres, which is my mother's um, last name. Uh, so it's Carlos Marcial and a T at the end, and it's the same uh, on Instagram. Uh, and I would just, you know, encourage everybody to just follow me there on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Great.
1: Yeah, cool. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle there is at Nani Malissimo. And uh, I guess people still use email, so Hernan.Ortiz.05 at gmail.com. Again, that's uh, Twitter at Nani Malissimo and Hernan.Ortiz.05 at gmail.com.
0: We'll include both of your handles and information in our show notes and all our social media posts related to this episode.
2: Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. awesome and as always you can find us uh, One Love Art Sessions on Instagram One Love Art Sesh No I O N on Twitter No I O N S on Twitter <laughs> OneLoveArtSessions.com uh, Thank you again everyone episode 12 is in the books uh, and we'll see you guys next time Boom! Muchas
3: gracias Los quiero a todos Gracias
0: The one love art sessions couldn't have been complete without the wonderful guests and even more so our wonderful community and now you our listeners our goal is to put out an episode three to four times a month based on the event schedule we hope you are as excited for the next one as we are we truly appreciate it if you took some time to rate and review the podcast with your help we could increase listenership and get these incredible stories and messages out to a greater audience the music used in this podcast was created by pound aka chrisley thanks for listening subscribe one love